Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. You're taking us to verses in Isaiah's prophecy that talked about Jesus 700 years even before he was born. We've looked at Jesus as a shepherd. Yesterday we considered him as a servant. Where are you taking us today, Colin? Well, of course, um, it is predominantly as the servant that he is referred to in these prophecies from Isaiah. Uh, There are so many of them, we, we don't have time this week to look at all of them. But I'm going to take you now to uh, chapter 49 and verse 8. This is what the Lord says, In the time of my favor I will answer you, and in the day of salvation I will help you. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people, to restore the land and to reassign its its desolate inheritances, to say to the captives, Come out, and to those in darkness be free. Now, this, if you like, sums up, encapsulates the reason why God is sending his servant. If we go back to the beginning of the chapter, we read this, Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my birth he has made mention of my name, He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. Now, how are we to understand all this? God had called Israel to be his faithful people, a people set apart for himself a people who were to prosper in such a way that the other nations that were that worshipped other gods would become jealous of Israel because they would understand that they prosper because God is the real God. Their God is the only true God. Now, unfortunately, because of the sin, the rebellion, the backsliding of the nation, those purposes were not really fulfilled in the way that God desired So he now sends his servant, who, if if we put it like this, becomes the real Israel, the the servant who will honor and please God, the one who will obey him in every respect, who will outwork the will and the purpose of God here on earth in the way that he intended. So what you see in the humanity of Jesus is the outworking of God's purpose that he had intended for the whole nation of Israel. So the whole nation of Israel was supposed to be doing the very things that Jesus was doing during his ministry. And, of course, we who are believers uh, uh, and don't come from a Jewish background we now belong to Jesus, and because of the indwelling of his Holy Spirit, we are able to do the same things as Jesus, and even greater things still, he says, because our faith is in him and in what he has accomplished for us. So you see that we 
all the believers that exist in the world today, Jewish and non-Jewish, are, if you like, called to be the true Israel of God. Now, that, that does not mean that we have replaced the nation of Israel and God's purpose for Israel. It's that we are incorporated into this new people that God is raising up what Paul calls the one new man that exists both of Jew and Gentile. We are called to be those that reveal the life of Jesus, just as when he was on earth, he revealed the life of the true true, um, Israel. So the prophecy continues uh, in in, uh, the middle of verse 6, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, we've already seen this week that Jesus confined his ministry to the area of Israel. He did not go to all the nations. But look what has happened since the crucifixion and the resurrection. The church is now a worldwide phenomenon. And there are millions, billions of of people that have become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ since his death and resurrection. They have received the salvation that Jesus came to make possible. So he became not only a light for Israel, but a light for the Gentiles, that together with the Jewish believers, we may be the Israel of God. And therefore, those who from the ends of the earth gather around the person of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. It's a wonderful, wonderful picture I mean, to, to see that right from the beginning, hundreds of years, remember these prophecies written 700 years before Jesus came, that this was always God's purpose. This is what he was working out. So he, he looks to the restoration of Israel, And he says in verse 8, this is what the Lord says, in the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people. And we've seen that Jesus, when he came, actually initiated this new covenant. I, I just find it so wonderful to see how everything that we see happening in the life and the ministry, then in the death and resurrection of Jesus, and everything that we see that has happened since, as the gospel has gone out to all the nations of the world, is all clearly stated and prophesied in these verses that we read in Isaiah. Interesting, as you mentioned, that these verses were written 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And of course, us Gentiles, we've only had the gospel for the last 2,000 years. It's interesting to get it in perspective, isn't it? Yes, it is. And uh, of course, what, what God had to do with his people Israel, those who were originally called to be his covenant people, is he had to face them with their sin and disobedience. Now, of course, that's not the first time that he did that. But this is why he raised up John the Baptist to be the forerunner of Jesus, to call the people back to repentance, to call them back to God. And interestingly, the people responded. It says all Jerusalem, all Judea went out to the River Jordan where John was baptizing. 
But although the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law went out to see what was going on, they never, it seems from what we read in the New Testament, they never submitted themselves to John's baptism. They, in other words, did not repent out of their pride, out of their rebellious and stubborn hearts. They refused to submit to John's baptism and therefore later to Jesus as well. We read in verse 4 of chapter 50, The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears, and I have not been rebellious. I have not drawn back. Now, is he talking? Is this the prophet talking about himself? No, he's talking about Jesus. Because look at the next verse. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheek to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the Sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. Do you remember how Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem knowing what was going to happen to him? Well, that's the fulfillment of what is written here 700 years before. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. You see, as he hung on the cross, as, as he suffered all the persecution and rejection, the mocking and the spitting, it would seem that he was very much being put to shame. Well, he was taking all our shame upon himself. But look at the outcome. When he rose victorious from the grave, it was obvious that he actually, his life did not end in shame, but it ended in victory. It ended in glory. And he was able to return to heaven to take his appointed place there. So we can rejoice that Jesus went through all of, all of that um, suffering uh, for us. But it's, it's wonderful to see in these words of prophecy, not just that the suffering was predicted, but that God understood that all this was going to lead to the victory in our lives, that just as Jesus emerged victorious from the grave, so all those who believe in him have a share in that victory because we are able to share in the new risen life of Christ even while we live our lives now in the world. That victorious life, that victorious spirit that was in Christ lives in us who have been born again and have received the precious gift of his Holy Spirit. So we read at the beginning of chapter 1, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. When I uh, looked to Abraham your father and to Sarah who gave you birth, when I called him he was but one. I blessed him and made him many. Now look what has happened since the death and resurrection of Jesus. That one man has become a multitude. 
You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 